What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the All-Star Comics Podcast, powered by Horizon Comics. I am your host, Jonathan Cote, and joining us on the panel tonight are... Nathan Armandrout. Roger May. Kayla Miller. Producing this time is Johnny Morales, because Matt decided that Disneyland with Allie was more important this week. And he didn't invite us. Shame on you, Matt. Rude. Shame. Anyway, uh, so Johnny's going to be filling in for producer, and Kayla's going to be sitting in for Johnny's normal panel seat, so it'll be a little bit different. So you can make fun of me today. Yes. I'll make fun of both of you. (laughs) Uh, but spe- no, just kidding. Uh, speaking of different, we are going to try a different format this time around. Uh, we were talking and have been thinking like, hey, you know, when we first started this show, we we did two episodes a week and kind of broke things up. And then everybody was like, hey, why don't you guys just do one long, big one? We sat down and thought like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And then we hadn't really evaluated our show in a while. And we had been kind of doing that last couple of weeks. So in order to bring you the best possible show... And to keep us, you know, fresh and whatnot, we're going to try some different stuff. We're going to streamline a couple of things, all while trying to maintain the things that you guys love. So if there's something that you like or something that you hate, go ahead and email us. Shoot it out to me at uh, on any of my social media platforms. I'd love to hear from you guys. I'll probably ignore all the negative stuff because, you know, it's me. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> if this is the first time you've ever listened to the show, uh, we are a review slash spoiler podcast. So we typically review a Marvel book, a DC book, and an independent book each week. Uh, We'll try to let you know if we're going to spoil something major uh, out of any of those. We are going to review a graphic novel. We always do one of those a week. Uh, We'll do some trivia, and um, we've changed up some stuff. You'll pick up on it here. So anyway, uh, before we get into it, Nathan, you had a shout-out. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm an eighth-grade science teacher, and Monday at school, one of my students showed up with an ASCP shirt on. I had no idea. Yeah, repping the show. I had no idea he was... uh, uh, a Ed, customer. He's eighth grade, right? Yeah, eighth grade. This grader. is exactly why we keep the show PG, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> or we attempt to. Yeah, so shout out to Gus. How you doing, Gus? Everybody say hi to Gus. Hello, Gus. Hey, hi, Gus. Gus. Right. Thanks What's for up, Gus? buddy. So appreciate that. Uh, so now our new format is before we get into any of the reviews, one of the things that I wanted to do is start uh, start off with, you know, if there is news, anything pertinent, just to get that out of the way because, you know, we are a comic book podcast and we're going to try to streamline down the kind of news we bring you. So if it's comic specific, we'll be talking about it. If it's not, we'll probably just ignore it unless we really feel it's necessary. So uh, we're going to do news right up front here. And then after that, we're going to do listener questions. So one of the reasons I wanted to do that was because I want more of your guys' involvement. So what you guys need to do every week is make sure that you send in some questions for us to answer so that we can kind of have some fun talking to you guys. One of the reasons we're moving it up front is, let's face it, by the end of the show, we're usually all tapped out and gloss over the questions anyway. So <laughs> we want to make sure that we give all that ample time. So before we get to questions, we're going to do some news. And there actually is a lot of comic book news this week. So Johnny's got a list for us that we're going to go down and kind of talk about. First things first, though, Doomsday Clock. Tell us what's happening with Doomsday Clock, which is kind of heartbreaking, but... Yeah, uh, so Doomsday Clock, uh, it was announced on Twitter by Jeff Johns that uh, it is now going to bi-monthly, so every two months. Uh, So instead of ending uh, at December of this year, it's going to be ending sometime in 2019. Well, let's let's say that with an asterisk, because Johns also did say that it's not just they're going to coast on bi-monthly. Oh, yeah, right. They're attempting to, I think, give Gary Frank enough lead-in time so that they can eventually get back to monthly. That's his goal. They want to get to monthly again. But the reason that they're doing this is because they want to maintain a 32-page 
uh, an issue kind mm-hmm. of thing. And in case you guys didn't know, most comics are between 20 and 22 now. Um, and that's so that, you know, the artist doesn't die and actually has like a weekend throughout the <laughs> month. Um, and so when you do 32, cause if you think if you do a page a day and some of these highly detailed guys sometimes spend more than that on a comic page, uh, it can get a little dicey with deadlines. So their whole spin on it is they want absolute quality instead of cutting down the page count. They want to make sure that, you know, they're given their original creative vision with everything and um, maintaining that 32 page. So look with, with Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, I trust them implicitly. I think they'll do their best to get back onto a normal schedule. So, Mm -hmm. but as for right now, it's going to be bi-monthly. What was that face, Johnny? (laughs) Uh, Nothing. I was just moving something. (laughs) (laughs) What's the next thing you got there? Uh, The next thing is DC's cyborg uh, comic returns with co-creator Marf Wolfman. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so Cyborg hasn't been good in a long while, and maybe with Marv Wolfman, um, that's a hard name to say. Marv Wolfman. Yeah, Marv Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> like like Jonathan name. said, yeah. Gotcha. Um, you know, it might be good. Yeah, that was kind of one of the weakest books that we had from Rebirth and whatnot, so hopefully uh, they're able to do some stuff with Cyborg. All right. What else we got there? Uh, Astro City to end as a monthly series uh, will continue as graphic novels. Uh, Astro City by Kurt Busiek is uh, an amazing comic, and uh, not a lot of people follow it. Um, it has its own niche audience, um, but at least it's still uh, continuing as graphic novels. Is it, does he have the same artist that he works with? I've uh, only ever read like one or two issues of Astro City. Uh, I believe he had like different artists for different, uh, I guess what you could call story arcs, but I believe for this... Um, current Astro City, I think it's been the same guy. Okay. If not, at least one or two fill-ins. He's just going to graphic novels, period. So instead of putting out a monthly comic, it's just going to be a full story arc. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. What else do you have there? Uh, Marvel signs Rogue and Gambit writer uh, Kelly Thompson to exclusive deal. Uh, She also wrote uh, Hawkeye. uh, And so you're jumping for joy about this. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I love Kelly Thompson. Hawkeye was my favorite book. Interesting. And then what was the, is, is there more, how many more do you have there? Uh, quite a bit, but we can run through them. Uh, Dan yeah. Slott leaving Spider-Man and we'll that be writing. That was one of the other ones. So he's going to Iron Man. Yes. Yes, he is. Okay, cool. And do we have a date on when that's supposed to take place? Uh, we, at least, uh, I don't think Spider-Man so. Spider-Man is like 801. Is it 801? So oh. Cody will be jumping for joy. Because <laughs> isn't he one of the ones that was like, ah, Dan Slott's been on it too long. Yeah, he thinks it's been on too long, but he, I think Cody would say he's been a good steward. Yeah, I, based off of what I read, I think Slot hasn't been too bad, but he's been on for almost a decade, right? Almost. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time to be ready. Well, then again, Bendis wrote Spidey for that long, so. Uh, the next thing I have is Action Comics 1000 hardcover is going to include a lost Siegel and Schuster story. Apparently, um, this you is know, my jam. Yeah, Marv Wolf. Uh, back in the day, um, people that were taking tours of DC just. Um, were handed original art because you're like, uh, who's going to need it? Uh, but Marv Wolfman kept this story and now he's uh, giving it to DC so they can print it in Action Comics 1000. Sweet. And that's actually going to be our first real Bendis uh, story is R- in Action Comics 1000. Because this is an 80-pager, right? Is that what this is? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I believe the hardcover has, has more stuff. Yeah. They're going to have like special things and whatnot. But yeah. the We've got both the the Superman creative teams are going to be doing stories in Action 1000, which is Dan Jurgens and then Tomasi and Gleason are mm-hmm. going to be doing stories. And then I believe Bendis gets a short 10-page story. Yes, with so. Jim Lee. 
And, uh, and is, is Lee paired up with Bendis? Yes, he is. Yeah. So they're trying to get his feet wet real quick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Paul Dini with Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, oh, yep. he's good. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tom King with Clayman and Jordi Belair. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> I think that's Tom King's first Superman uh, story. Superman proper, because right. he's written Superman well, yeah, and Batman. Yeah. But yeah, that would uh, be cool. Brad Meltzer with John Cassaday and cool. Laura Martin. Uh, I'm just more excited about Clay Man because that, that Clay Man's good. That he doesn't get enough recognition. Uh, so. Louise Simonson with Jerry Ordway. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're going classic. Yeah, and this is a weird one. Scott Snyder with Tim Sale. All right, I'll oh. take it. Yeah. Uh, along with those teams, Superman's red trunks are also making a return. That I'm. I've... Look, <laughs> that's such a classic look, and as a kid, I loved it. But as an adult, I'm like, dude, your underwear goes on the inside. <laughs> and the, the other thing, and look, there's some people that are like, it's not Superman unless he has the red trunks. And I'm like, no. I'm one of those people that's like, I like the, the, the current look. Uh, Pat Gleason's like modern, sleek, kind of simple uniform suits me just fine. So um, the other thing is it, they can't seem to go more than a year and a half without changing Soup's costume up. So I'm just kind of like, just leave it the same a little bit longer, guys. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's it for news, right? Cool. So we're going to go straight into some uh, listener questions, guys. Uh, we only have one from Blake this evening. So remember, uh, if you want to hear us, you know, chat a little bit about something that you sent in, where can they do that, Johnny? Uh, they can send uh, anything to contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. Sweet. So uh, Blake always likes to theme his questions based off of what <laughs> we're reading. So uh, the first question here is, who do you think will kneel before Zod? And this is referencing um, the uh, current Green Lantern story arc because, as we're going to talk about later, Zod shows up. So do you think uh, anybody's actually going to kneel before Zod? I would hope nobody does. No. Yeah, I don't think so, Blake. I don't even know why you bothered asking that. That was really, that was really subpar of you. <laughs> He's okay. He knows I love him. <laughs> Um, and then <laughs> this is specifically for you, Roger. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is this gonna an get Arby's bad. question? <laughs> <laughs> you might want to give some of the listeners some backstory off that comment real quick. Yeah, okay. Well, yesterday uh, for lunch I had Arby's and, and uh, had a bout of food poisoning. Um, so I got, I got pretty wrecked pretty quick. And you have to understand, like, Arby's is the bane of Blake's existence. Every time he drives by one, he shudders. So when he found out, he was just like, I told well, he, you, I yeah. told you. Well, he so. came in yesterday when I was, yeah, I was pretty sick. And he was like, where did you go? And I was like, Arby's. He's like, no. <laughs> That's great. But, so, but he wants to know, it's not, it's not an Arby's question, but he wants to know, he says, Roger, does Southern Bastards authentically portray the South? Because that's a book we're going to be reviewing. No. 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 I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is no. Not the no. South you know. Not Yeah, not the South I know. And I, I don't know. Uh, well, this is going to save me some talking later because I don't know where this is. Um, Crockett. I mean, I assumed it was. Alabama. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been to Alabama once. <laughs> I Yeah, no. I just. <laughs> This is look. I mean, this it's just it's just uh, Jason Aaron jumping that shark. You know, I think he's trying to make it that book so outrageous. You know. Yep. Um, I can't even see 
that world taking place like back in the 50s and 60s in Alabama. I mean, I know they, you know, they're pretty messed up, but I don't know if they were that messed up. And we'll talk about how messed up this book is in just a minute. So um, that's, I'm going to say, the last thing he sent me here is more of a statement. It's not necessarily a question, and it pertains more to our graphic novel, so I'll kind of mention that as we get to it. <clears throat> so we're going to go to our actual reviews now. So Nathan, tell us what uh, Marvel book we're going to be reviewing here. All right, Marvel book. Uh, we read Legion number 1 by Peter Milligan and Wilfredo Torres. Uh, this is the story. It's the start, I think, of a five-part series. Um, Charles Xavier's illegitimate son, Legion, who has a dissociative identity disorder or used to be known as split personalities. Uh, each one of his personalities has a different mutant ability, and supposedly he has hundreds of different personalities. Hence the name Legion, because he is <clears throat> Legion. Yeah, and so this is him uh, kind of gaining back some of his memory about where he's supposed to be going, but also dealing with this character called Lord Trauma, who's one of his personalities, but is like his antagonist. Um, yeah, that's... that's <laughs> basically the plot that's what i got out of it so one of the things i was kind of bummed about with this book was apparently the f the last legion series was amazing from what i understand i didn't read it uh and i think it was like 2013 or 14 or it was with marvel now yeah so it, it would have been two, it should have been 2011 wow that that long ago okay. yeah i think i'm pretty sure it was with the first marvel now okay well if i'm not mistaken from what I read. The Mike Del Mundo covers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was called X-Men Legacy. Mm. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I thought that was like tying into <laughs> just now when you said that. I was like, what? How are they? No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but apparently at the end of that series, Legion wrote himself out of existence because he's like, you know, that powerful. And they didn't even explain how he was back in this. At all, oh. and like unless there was another series in which he popped back in, and that we just don't know about. Yeah, I mean, granted, it's just a nitpick because it's it's a new story, so it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter. Um, but I feel like if you're gonna bring him back from you know writing himself out of existence, that might warrant a small mention in the summary. Just a little bit. So, um, it was a. This book really? was just bland. Yeah, like straight through, like the. Not an, I know I've seen Wilfredo Torres on something else, mm -hmm. but I don't know, and I don't know if it's necessarily his pencils or if it's just the colors. Everything's very flat. I can see book. that, and so there's not a whole lot aesthetically. I mean, it's consistent, so I I I kind of can get like the style he's going for for it, but I don't know. It just the story is also a little bit bland. Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more because I don't know. It don't wasn't know what, what I was hoping for, but it wasn't. I don't know. It was just such a meh kind it, of thing for me. It wasn't a bad story. I, the only thing I know about Legion is I watched the FX series, which I love, but this one's definitely not anywhere kind of like that. Obviously, it's got the different personalities, but even that's different from the show. And Nathan mentioned before we started, this is kind of very lighthearted book for everything yeah. that's going on. You'd think it would go a little bit darker, at least at some places. The show can be lighthearted, too, like that, but it gets dark moments. And this is just the first one, but it's just... Just with everything he's going through, you'd think maybe it wouldn't be just so, like, you know. It just didn't feel 
because heavy. The majority or of this first issue is him trying to find this uh, celebrity psychologist mm. that he thinks, I guess, is going to help him. And so it's him trying to fight through just his different personalities and his own, um, I guess, drawbacks to getting to her. But meanwhile, <clears throat> something is messing with her. Mm-hmm. So, which I think that was Lord Trauma messing was with it, her. Was it? Did they establish it was Lord Trauma? It seemed her? like it because it was the same kind of speech bubbles, the same like black speech bubbles you know that what? Lord Trauma yeah, had. You're, you're so right. I just assumed. I wasn't paying attention to that because <laughs> yeah. I just started to kind of gloss over everything. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know, like. The cliffhanger wasn't enough to really draw me in to make me want to read a second issue out of this. So, I don't know. I'm torn between wanting to read a second issue just because I, I liked the show. I liked it a lot, and I was kind of curious because I liked the character, but at the same time, like, there just wasn't a whole lot to this issue. Yeah, there was not a lot of substance. In yeah. <clears throat> he has I really, really wanted up. to like it, but... Yeah, I was kind of with you. They didn't really give us much to hold on to. Dissociative identity disorder is a really fascinating thing, but it also comes from a very dark place is where, you Mm -hmm. know, these personalities split off from, you know, the the original. And I just felt they were way too lighthearted in in addressing this. And we kind of, I mentioned earlier, like Mr. Miracle is looking at someone who's dealing with depression, uh, has gone through a suicide attempt, and it's dealing with it in a very real way way even though it's in a this crazy fourth world kind of thing but it feels very real whereas this just felt it felt kind of gimmicky it Campy. felt uh yeah it just didn't feel like it was dealing with a a, a pretty deep subject in a, a deep manner it was very superficial and mm-hmm. i wanted to like it but it, it did not hook me how's his hair <laughs> it's if you're into that sort of thing like Full early 2000s new metal you're all about that but <laughs> It's For those of you thing. that don't know, <laughs> look at the picture of uh, Wayne, Wayne Static, Static from Static X. That is pretty much, I think, the model for minus, David. Minus the three-foot-long goatee, but yeah. yeah. So, Roger. I don't have much to say about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, didn't, it, it didn't do anything for me. Um, start to finish, the cover turned me off. Everything about the story inside turned me off. Um. I I really didn't care for it at all. I wanted to like it. Well, yeah. let's rate this and just get on with it. So, Roger, one and a half. Ouch. Mm-hmm. I still give it like a uh, two and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I can't necessarily say that it was bad. It, it just wasn't, wasn't bad, good. Yeah. So I'm gonna say two. That's about as much as I can give it. Yeah. Um. You know. I'm I'm in that same book. It's not like it was the worst thing I've read because God, I've read worse. Um, <laughs> but there, once again, there's not a whole lot here to to really get excited about. As you can tell us, we're not talking yeah. about it very much. <laughs> it's probably one of the shortest reviews we've done. Um, uh, yeah, two. I'm gonna say two, and that's low for for kind of just an average book, you know. But it's just I don't know. The storytelling is really what kind of killed it for me. So, anyway, uh, our indie book that we're reviewing this week is Southern Bastards number 19 by Jason Aaron uh, with art by Jason Latour. Um, And if you're unfamiliar with this series, I have no clue how to tell you about it because it's just uh, kind of a crime drama set in the deep back hillbilly woods of Alabama with a football coach who's also basically a mafia boss. And 
there's a little bit of walking tall kind of element in the first story arc, but we're way past that now, and <laughs> a lot of stuff happens. Yeah, this is you know, look. I'll say this: uh, Jason Aaron is a great writer. Yeah. Um, I mean, he kept my attention all all the way through this book. I think the art is is really good. Um, it's very for different. this book. Yeah, it's got you a know? unique style, but it fits the book. Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, it's it's grizzled. Yeah, you know? it, it, as grizzled as the story is. Um, he's a you know, and I, I I didn't really need to have read anything before to get what this book was about. Uh, and, a very and short issue. summary. In the, in there the was, front. and I had read that, and it was like it, you know, it, 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 mm-hmm. I didn't really even care. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, okay, that's where we're at. I couldn't even remember what this summary said. I can tell you what happened in this book, and it's it's not pretty. No, <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is you know this is uh, this is an extremely well written book. I think Jason Aaron yeah. has a handle on the story that he's telling. And I I didn't care for it at all. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not it's not the South I know. Again, I'm I'm, I'm pseudo South. I'm from North Carolina. Um, like I said earlier, I've been to Alabama. That has no um, name. <laughs> but uh, right, anything South is. But bad. he's from the Southern part, like. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm from the Piedmont. Okay. You know what the Piedmont is? Nope. There's another zone, Central North Carolina. Okay, Central North Carolina. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what a Piedmont is either, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the Piedmont. Nice. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. i you know, it, it, it's it's a great book. I don't like it. I had absolutely no idea what was going on in this book. I have not read any of the you other feel ones. Like you got a handle on this. Oh issue no, I just... got it. No, I got a handle on the issue, but like who the characters were, what was like yeah. going on Coach with like boss, the drama and stuff. Like all that. None of that. No, I will say he did a fantastic job with just like you get a feel for who the characters are. You get a feel for like what's the important stuff you should pay attention to. Like he did really, really good with that. But I was still just a little bit like, yeah, I need to read like really, other like, stuff going this on. This is like kind of a crime book, crime drama at heart. Mm. It's just set in just these hillbilly woods with a, a football high school football coach that happens to be a mafia boss, and he's a he's a main character. You know he's he's been he throughout the entire book, you know. And the guy you think is going to be like the main character, twists and turns and things like that happen because I don't want to spoil too much. Mm-hmm. But because um, I think I read the first two story arcs, which might have been like the first eight issues or nine issues, because he did some relatively short story arcs with this. Um, and the second story arc revolves around Coach Boss, who is mm-hmm. essentially kind of a main character slash villain of this story. Um, so I kind of had a little bit more of a handle coming in, and I was surprised that it's only on issue 19 because this started like three or four years ago. Mm. Like they've taken some massive breaks between uh, issues, arcs. I think, or arcs. Mm-hmm. It was like so, 2014 or 2015. Was it? I think okay. So. Um, but. Um, it's really entertaining if you like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, but it is, like Roger said, very grizzled, very brutal, yeah. uh, kind of no holds barred um, storytelling. 
So it reminded me of like uh, Friday Night Lights or Remember yeah. the Titans, but oh, if it was directed by Quentin Tarantino. That. Yes, that's actually. Why didn't you <laughs> pitch this book? Right? Remember the Titans, directed by Quentin Tarantino. That's yeah. perfect. Oh my God, that would have been such a different movie. Oh, so different. <laughs> that would not have been heartfelt it. at all. <laughs> so, um, anything you liked about it, Maven? You know, I the first two three pages, I really didn't care like i mean it was good but as every page i turned i liked it more and more and more i i did enjoy the story it ma- actually made me want to learn even though like roger said you didn't really need to know what went on before it made me kind of want to know what went on before and i'm also curious to see what happens afterwards yeah because there's a lot of people shooting weapons and <laughs> every time you think you got the draw on somebody somebody else pulls out something and okay so that that leads me to my one and only nitpick about this book in this particular issue. There's a character that um, pulls a gun on the bad guy, Coach Boss, and is like, I'm going to kill you for what you did, and I'm not going to say all that stuff because I don't want to spoil everything on this show. Um, Just some of the things. But this is a bad guy. A lot of people want this guy dead. So another character shows up with a bow and arrow, and shoots the character who's one of the good guys that's got the bad guy at gunpoint in the hand to stop them from shooting the bad guy. And is like, I'm going to kill him. It's like, okay. You could have shot him. You could have just <laughs> shot him. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like I, and I get that this is like a trope that gets used as cliffhangers and stuff like that. But it drives me up all because in the real world. You shoot him. You shoot him. You don't shoot the guy that's on your side and wing him or like, you know, in the hand, whatever, like, or shoot the gun. You just shoot the bad guy. So like, Jason Aaron, what were you doing, man, with all the other beatings and like things that take place in this? The only thing I Yeah, the only thing I can think is if uh, whoever this character at the end is, I don't even know, they didn't give him a name or anything. I don't remember him from the earlier story. But uh, maybe he needs Coach Boss for something, so. Mm-hmm. Didn't want him to get killed, but but jeez, yeah, it just that kind of frustrated me. It made me roll my eyes a little bit because I I know Jason Aaron is better than that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, anything else want to mention? No, yeah, it's no. a good book. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and rate it, Nathan. What did you think? Um, like I said, I enjoyed it more and more as it went on. I would give it, I'll say, a four. Nice, Roger. Oh, man. Um, three. I'd give it a four. Solid art. Not my type of art, but flows well for the story. And like I said, good writer. I believe Jason Latour wrote, if he's not still, I don't think he's still writing, but he wrote Spider-Gwen. He's still writing. Is he still writing? Oh, this is that. The artist is the guy that's writing Spider-Gwen. Which is like my favorite book right now. Yeah. So, so I figured sweet. you might like to know that <laughs> uh, i'm gonna go with a solid four too um it tonally yeah it this this is a very niche book mm-hmm. like if you want mm-hmm. southern fried crime drama like nathan said like friday night lights directed by quentin tarantino then this is your book <laughs> or you just talked to roger about his past when he was a kid <laughs> <laughs> the character of coach boss is based off of roger oh, right? no. <laughs> i can't possibly Ouch. be true <laughs> Coach Boss is a scumbag and a half. They're so mean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Roger, go ahead and tell us about our indie book. Or excuse me, our uh, DC book. 
Right. So uh, I actually wrote something down. Let's see if I can read it. Um, <laughs> so Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner respond to a call about illegal mining on a Neolithic planet, only discover that Zod and family have decided to make this planet their new home. <gasps> they try to intercede, but get properly wrecked. <laughs> and now commence Jonathan gushing. <laughs> I love this. Do it. <laughs> I love this. Look. I I've said this multiple times. I think Robert Venditti is highly underrated. Uh, the man's been a fantastic steward of the Lantern universe, um, among other kind of cosmic elements. Because he's written uh, for Valiant and a couple of other kind of big space Odyssey type stuff. He seems to have a handle on sci-fi. Um, and when this was teased way back uh, a couple months ago in the you know as like the little one-page ads in the comics where it said Zod's will and it had this image of Hal versus. Uh, General Zod, I was just giddy. <laughs> I was giddy, and I was stoked with this issue. I really liked it. Uh, it's it's Robert Venditti and Rafa Sandoval, the main series artist, is is back on his rotation uh, now in it, and so I thought this is one of my favorite things that we reviewed tonight uh, in terms of just art storytelling. Uh, a little bit of a spoiler here: Zod has a son now. Oh, is that his son? Dun dun dun! Yeah, Probably. that's new. <laughs> that kid wasn't there. The Superman last time we has saw. a son now. Now all of his enemies yeah. need sons. Yes, because that's up. how come the next story so, arc wait. with Bizarro <laughs> has Boy Zaro. Did they specifically <laughs> say that it was his son? Yes, did I think they? so. Did okay. it? I don't. I don't. Remember I just that assumed. Part. I don't remember, but I just assumed it. Well, here's what. Here's my. Uh, the thing no, is, okay. is Feora is has been his love interest, Zod's love interest for a while. Okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Sure. And she, I think made the comment to him as if that was her kid yeah it sounded that way so, but yeah um and on action comics cover it says son of zod oh so i even though it shows him as an adult he's wearing the same stuff so i'm <laughs> assuming that that's who that is right on so and like kayla said superman's got a son as well as bad guys have kids oh <laughs> i'm okay with it i felt i feel a little bad but i didn't hate the comic like it's a good comic but i just it didn't hook me the last time. Like I read Hal Jordan, like it was like issue nine or something with you guys, with and then I went that back. Just popped off. I just went back and I read all of them, and I kept up with it for a while, but I fell off, and I haven't read it for a while. So when I read this, I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I'll get back into it and start reading the rest." But like it just, it doesn't make me not want to read it, but it just still didn't give me that same excitement like issue nine gave me to like go back and like I gotta well, read everything. There was now. a lot that happened. Oh, there was so in, much going on that. back then. Okay, so oh, I mean, and we're just now starting something like. Oh brand yeah, this new. is new. That they're, was like halfway through an arc yeah, or something. They're not referencing anything really. The only thing that really is being referenced here is in the Superman book when they defeat Zod and mm-hmm. this little team, the Eradicator and other enemies. Superman basically punches all of them into space, <laughs> and they have to they have to like stay away because he's like, you know, hey, I'll I'll take you down. So that's how they ended up out here. Is you know, mm-hmm. Superman had defeated them, and they all ended up. You know, kind of leaving Earth for a while, plotting to come back at some point. So, um, and back then there was no kid. So I don't. <laughs> uh, one quick thing, I had a question that yep. they kind of referenced before. Uh, at the beginning, John Stewart is quitting. Mm-hmm. What? Why is he quitting? Yeah. Okay. So at the end of the last story arc, for the longest time, the Guardians haven't been around. The little blue guys, the mm-hmm. Maltusians. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last story arc, uh, Robert Venditti had a. Um, the story was called Twilight of the Guardians, and he went. This is one of the things I love about Robert. He clearly knows his history because he brought in uh, an old Green Lantern villain called the Controllers, 
which was uh, they're in the same family as the Guardians, um, that were trying to harvest the DNA of the Guardians to resurrect all of the old controllers. And so Kyle, uh, Hal, Kyle, uh, John, and Guy all go and rescue Ganthet, Sade, um, some of the Guardians, the good Guardians, because the Guardians became corrupt in the right, yeah. universe and kind of started really, they were responsible for the first army or the... <laughs> The third army, the first lantern coming back and biting everybody. This is all like kind of part of Johns's Jeff Johns's run on, on Green Lantern. So they were they're bad news. And so the good guardians that were left, and there were guardians that they had been found like that kind of been hidden away and stuff like that, uh, were all rescued by our four lanterns in this book. And they kind of decided, like, hey, you know, our legacy from our, our brethren was really bad and we want to change that. We wanna we, we wanna guide the core. You know, because we're we're all that's left of the Guardians, and we don't want that to be our legacy. So we want to guide the core, and we want to do it in a proper way. And John Stewart had some beef with that because he remembers all of the bad Guardians, and so okay. that's the whole angle that this book starts on. Is he's like, whoa, when like, yeah, we rescued you guys. I didn't want you guys because John Stewart's been the core leader for a while now since Hal Jordan became kind of like when they were doing the New Fifty Two. He was on the run as a renegade. Uh, Hal left the core in John's hands. So he's been a core leader for a while. He hasn't had to answer to anybody, really, and he's done a good job leading the core. And so he kind of sees this as like, dude, I'm not doing what you guys were telling us to do before, and they're kind of making promises like, hey, checks and balances, yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. right that's on. where all that came from. Okay. Right on. They, they kind of made some mention of that in the book with yeah. the whole – I, I didn't know if it was evil. stuff that had happened in just like the previous story arc. So, yeah. But this is going back for a while, though. Yeah. I mean, he's referencing like stuff from way back, but the specific reaction is to what just happened in the last oh, okay. issue. All right. Mm-hmm. That makes so, sense. Yeah. What did you think, Roger? I liked it. Great art. Great art. Fast story, mm-hmm. action packed, fast paced. Hey, if you want to see how Jordan and Zod, Zod fight it out, this is going to be a good comic. I can just tell. It's going to be good. This is going to be good. It didn't hook me right away, but I'm sure I'm going to go read it. But, like, it's going to be good if anyone wants to see that fight go down. Yeah, I mean, oh, my God. I love just the fact that Zod's kind of just the villain. I like the way that Venditti writes Zod right mm-hmm. now. He's like, hello, Lanterns. Welcome to my home. You know, he just shows up. And then he just up. Yeah. He's Kyle. In. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's some freaking fantastic splash pages in this. Like, my God. And he says to, the, like, the Lanterns, he's like, you know what I've missed about, you know, being in the Phantom Zone and being away? Sunshine. And he just starts to, like, wreck them. <laughs> so, that was a really good line. I will admit yeah. that. That was a really good line. Yeah. Isn't so, oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, you'd love this guy on, on the regular um, uh, big story arcs that he does. Venditti seems to save, like, a lot of the big stuff for Rafa since he's the, the main series artist. So, um I dug the heck out of it. I think this is going to be a really fun story arc. Um, I, I give this a five. Like that's, but I love Venditti. I love Rafa <laughs> Sandoval. I like Hal. So this was a no-brainer for me. Sweet. Um, I have no beefs with it at all. It was a good comic. There's nothing that I could say that's bad about it. I'm just not a big fan of the lanterns. That's just not. It's one of my cosmic guy. Yeah, it's one of my least favorite parts of both Marvel and DC universes is the space superheroes. I don't, wow. really, I don't really care about them too much, but uh, it was a good comic. Art was fantastic. I would give it a three and a half, four and a half for me. 
I'm still going to give it a four. It's a good comic. If I was in the mood to for some kind of big brawl, I'm sure I might have enjoyed this more. But it's still a really good book, and I'm sure it's going to be a great arc. Yeah, I think so, too. So um, <clears throat> one of the things that we're going to change up, guys, is the what would you rather have reviewed. So instead of like saying, like, hey, I want to like swap out all three books, uh, we're going to do it like <laughs> – <laughs> sorry, Johnny <laughs> – uh, one of the things that the stipulation for if you're going to suggest something that you would rather have reviewed is you have to have read it. So the only thing that I have read is Doomsday Clock. And my God, my God, it is a fantastic read this week, guys. So um, I wouldn't want to swap out Hal because I liked reading Hal Jordan. Uh, but I definitely would have loved to have reviewed Doomsday Clock number three on this this episode. So. Anybody else? Uh, likewise for me. That's the only other thing I read, yeah. It's the only other thing I read, um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think Rorschach and Batman, I want more, you know. Dude, what about um, Mime and Marionette going <laughs> into Joker's hideout or yeah. territory? <laughs> was um, so great. There, Yeah, you guys really, really need to come in and pick up this issue. It'll answer a couple of questions and raise a few more. Oh, yeah. Um, Just for Mime's alone. Yes. That's got to be, like, um, some sort of superpower that he has, like... Or do you think it's, it's like, just... <laughs> I don't know. It was awesome, though. Yeah, it was. Well, you yeah. know, but in the Watchmen universe, nobody besides Doc Manhattan has superpowers. That's, that is so, true. I, I don't know, but I loved it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, if I could have swapped... Like, not even swapped anything out. If I could just made a four-book, four you know, review... I definitely would have done that one. Yeah, I probably a- would have spent all my time gushing about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably would have been a five. As a matter of fact, I can tell you, yes, it's a five. Yeah, it's a five. it was a good book, yeah. Um, anyway. I haven't read did, anything did this week. Did get a second stack of pancakes? Alfred was going to make it. I know it Alfred said he was yeah. going to make it. I don't know if he It, it didn't show up, but it, he, <clears throat> that was really, he never got it. Yeah, uh, it's coming. Sad. Um, it was kind of sad at the end. It was. Uh, I was yeah. a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> it ended with one of my favorite Theodore Roosevelt quotes. Mm. <laughs> you have my favorite Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> that is pretty. Theodore awesome. Roosevelt is awesome. Go read his Th- biography. That man lived. This is true. He lived like he ten was, lifetimes. He was a stud. He's not wrong. He he survived an assassination attempt in the middle of a speech and continued to speak. I, I'm not saying he's not cool. But <laughs> Pulled the arrow out of his ass. And <laughs> no, the bullet in his chest. Just like kept going for like another 90 minutes. Yeah, That's a, I, he's the patron saint of manhood, Johnny. Yeah. You should read a lot of like Theodore Roosevelt. Um, I don't have a favorite Roosevelt quote. <laughs> well, how dare well, you? you better You're get one. Young. Yeah, There's still time. They'll put hair on your chest for sure. I like the one of my favorite panels in that next to Mom and Marionette. Everything in, but with them was fantastic. But was when um, Rorschach and Batman were breaking into Arkham. Yeah. And and Batman pulls out his grappling gun, <laughs> and Rorschach's kind of comparing his his to Batman's. He's yes. Like, huh. <laughs> like, like, he asked you, him if he could borrow some of his like, stuff. Where you, yeah, where you get like the, the the sleek, nice ones. Like mine's not that great. Um, <laughs> oh, so was, good. Yeah, so good. Great, great stuff in that issue. So anyway, that's the only thing that I think any of us like flocked to read this week. Um, it's the only I, thing I read this week. Yeah, so <laughs> far. Did you like it or no? I liked it. Did you like it more than the last couple? I think so. <laughs> okay. here's here's my only beef 
with Doomsday Clock so far because each issue I've absolutely loved and I would probably give a five. And um, but in the bigger picture, I have no clue what's going on. Me neither. I, I have no idea yeah. where Johns is going with this. I don't know how the two worlds are going to come together. I and and at the end of reading each issue, I'm kind of conflicted. It's like, do I understand any more of of what's what's coming? No. Um, do I care? Not really. Yeah. And to piggyback off that, you know, this is this was very much. I mean, the Superman symbol is in the clock. You know that that clock logo. Um, right, and like you said today, he was only in a couple of pages of the first issue. Yeah, a couple of pages of the first issue, and we've got a whole heck of a lot more Batman in this series so far than we have had of Superman. So I and I I know that this has been billed as like kind of you know the meeting of the two most powerful beings in this universe with Superman versus Manhattan, you know, kind of thing. And it's not, and I know it's not as simple as. They're going to punch each other, and that's that. There's a heck of a lot more that's going to happen in this series besides that. But uh, I'm kind of like jonesing to see what else, you know, is going to happen with Superman in this series. Because this is supposed to be his book, you know. So that's my only thing. Yeah, we'll see. We also got our first glimpse of Manhattan in this one, too. We did. Yeah. You got, like, half a leg in there. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sinking his toes in the sand, you know. <laughs> and it looks like he's tying in the uh, the S- Justice Society from like the first issue with the uh, Thunder guy. What's his name? John. Which Thunder. that harkens back to the rebirth, rebirth issue. Rebirth, yeah. and I think there was a reference in the button. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. was Johnny Thunder, which is Justice Society hardcore. Yeah, I think that's Doctor Manhattan. Anyway, hmm. I don't know if I if I think that Johnny Thunder is Doctor Manhattan. But there's definitely something going on with that character. Because Johnny Thunder was a part of the Justice Society. He's an old DC character, and I don't know if it makes sense to have Manhattan be that guy mm-hmm. in hiding. Um, but I did I did have the thought that maybe it was the actor like tying into something in that could be like Manhattan yeah. hiding. Like because I had some thoughts like that too. Um, that what was it? The guy that played Nathaniel or Nathan Dusk or whatever? Yeah, Nathaniel, yeah, Nathaniel Dusk, Dusk, the actor. The actor, but it was something Coleman, Cart. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, I thought there's there's Carver maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like Carver Coleman, something like that. There's some significance to that character. That's just you don't spend that much time, kind of building that up without answering. You know, having a significant answer. That, that. kind of goes back to Watchmen, though, with the uh, the pirate comic. Like, yeah, it kept weaving its way in there. Too. That's true. Mm-hmm. It could be something like that. Also, that's yeah. just kind of symbolic to right. that universe. Anyway, so we've gone on way too long about that. We did a clock you know, we <laughs> like review. That's I think a great we reviewed issue. that that's longer than review. the other three. We did. So, uh, so one of the other things that we're going to change up, guys, is previews. Instead of me just arbitrarily reading a lot of stuff off of a list because that's just so exciting. We're going to change it up and just tell you what we're reviewing next week and maybe a couple of the notable books that are coming out, and that's that. So um, the books that we're reviewing next week from Marvel, we're reviewing Moon Knight uh, number 191. So I'm excited. I don't know who's writing it, but I always have enjoyed it. Max Bemis. I know that name. Max (laughs) Bemis. I feel like I've read something by Max Bemis. I might not have. I don't know. Could just be a comic. No, I'm sure you have. I yeah. can't remember. I know there's, a, there's, I, I think it was an association with a band, right? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. 
maybe. I don't know. We'll get back to everybody on that. Pulling that out of thin air. Um, another kind of notable uh, book from Marvel is The Phoenix Resurrection of uh, Return of Jean Grey. Number five is coming out next right. week. Conclusion of that. That's the conclusion. So they just shoved that story arc out real fast. So that's ending next week, guys, if you want to uh, hop on to that. Uh, from DC Comics, the book that we are reviewing is Silencer, number one. And that is John Romita Jr. on art. So Johnny will love this book. And then <laughs> and then I forgot who's writing Silencer. It's, um, oh my God. Can't remember. I'll find out. Yeah, I, I know it's, um, oh my God, that's going to bug me. Anyway, the other notable book coming out. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to talk about two notes. Sandra Hope. Sandra Hope is writing? Oh, that's art by, written by Dan Abnett. Dan Abnett. Silencer? Yeah. Abnett and Ramita Jr. Because I remember like thinking, that's a pretty good team. So there we go. Uh, so the, there's two notable books that are coming out from DC besides Silencer number one. Dark Knight's Metal number five. Yes! Is it the last one? No. Mm. It's going to six. Okay. Um, so as you guys know, I've fanned Boyd hard over that book so far. I re- Yeah. Yeah, I know. Johnny hates all the things that are fun. Uh, (laughs) um, The other one that I want to highlight, guys, is the Flash Annual number one. That is the start of Flash War, which is going to be Barry Allen versus Wally West. We're going to determine who the fastest Flash is once and for all, apparently. Um, I don't know. It's kind of being billed as like the two have a falling out and kind of have some hard feelings between them. I don't know what's going on beyond that. You just what? got so intense when you were talking about that. I know. That. Partly because I've really enjoyed Joshua Williamson's, uh, Williamson's run on Flash so far. I've, I've really liked mm-hmm. it. But I'm really tired of heroes fighting heroes. So, A little bit. And after talking... See, Williamson was nice enough to like let me and Blaine talk his ear off for like 15 minutes at Comic-Con. Because uh, he was at a particular booth that nobody was coming up to at the time that he was there for a signing. It wasn't the DC booth because he would have been packed. But we were telling him, like, hey, you know, we're really enjoying Flash and, like, what you're doing with Howard Porter and Carmen I.D. Giamenico and all that. And he's just like, just wait. And he's like, I got some crazy stuff coming down the pipeline or uh, the pike, whatever the, the expression is. But he I was – both work. Both. Yeah. He was really excited, and it got me excited. So um, – and he teased a little bit of this. He said, there's going to be some stuff happening – and I realized, like, this is what he was talking about. So I'm stoked for this, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't want heroes to fight. Heroes should be punching bad guys. It'll just be, like, a completely silly, like, let's just raise it. Maybe that's know? what it is, and that's <laughs> what he's going for. But either that. way, yeah. um, this is going to kick off that story arc. So if you guys are Flash readers... It's like an entire five-issue beach trip story arc. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, Johnny. I just made the mic clip. Um, but anyway, so Flash Annual. Um, that's where that's supposed to be starting. So. Also in uh, the Detective Comics annual, that's supposed to be like a Clayface origin, similar to what they Ooh. did for um, Mr. Freeze. Really? In the, um, New 52? That, the New 52 annual. Hmm. So that was getting a little bit of buzz too. Really? Okay. I'm excited for that. And that's next week as well? Yeah. That is next week. Oh, so it's, it's, it's a fifth week, isn't it? Right. Yeah. That's why. So annuals. Okay. Uh, and then the book that we were reviewing from the indie comics list next week is something called Hungry Ghosts Number One. Anthony Bourdain. Which, okay. Hey, what's his show? Parts Unknown? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's had a few, but yeah, that's oh, his nice. most recent one. Yeah. So uh, that's the uh, 
the indie comic that we'll be reviewing, and that's only a four-part miniseries. So yeah, and I think it's like it's like ghost stories for foodies or something. <laughs> so, um, it down. should be interesting. Uh, the graphic that novel, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> the graphic novel we're going to be reviewing is Strangers in Paradise Volume One. Oh hell yeah! So um, if you guys kind of liked what we were hearing about Strangers in Paradise, the the twenty XV number one from last week pay attention to the next week's uh review on that i'm actually kind of excited after reading that one so and then guys if you want the complete list of stuff that's going out as always you can go to horizoncomics.com click on the new releases tab roger has it updated every monday and you can see like a full list of stuff that's coming out um instead of listening to me boringly read it off of a list so um without further ado we're going to go into our graphic novel review now Yes. So Kayla yes, we is going to tell us about Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Make it good. Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. So we're gonna, just going to wing it. No. Okay. So Mouse by Art Spiegelman, which I said already. And and cartooned by. Yes. I guess you'd say cartooned by. Drawn by. Drawn by. That yeah, works too. Created by. Created by. <laughs> Lots of adjectives, or whatever. I can't speak right now. Anyway, so this book is about Art Spiegelman writing about his father and how he went through uh, Nazi Germany and Auschwitz and all that and his survival through the Holocaust and how he made it through it. And then it's also a story of him talking to his father to get all this information about it and him going through like all the issues that he has with his dad as well, just... How he was raised and everything. So this is a he has issues with. Super lighthearted. It's a really good book, but I'm gonna let someone else talk about it first. It is. It's fantastic. But the minute I saw this on the list, I was just I kind of did a heavy sigh because this is not an easy book to read. No, it is by not by any stretch. It's very good and it is worth your time. Everybody mm-hmm. should read it. It is not an easy book to read. So, were you gonna say something? Oh, uh, well, I, I could talk all day about this book. Mm-hmm. Should we let Nathan? Um, Tell us why he picked it. Yeah, well, I think it stemmed out of a discussion we had. Yeah, you know. so this book's like super important to me. Uh, it's my journey with comics goes back to you know when I was a kid, and uh, at some point branched off into I was all into just prose novels, read a lot, read a lot, uh, and then in the past few years, just have I have this little side hobby that requires me to draw and sketch and just became more interested in art and so started looking at the storytelling of graphic novels did a bunch of searching for like best graphic novels best non-superhero stuff and on the top of every list is this book mouse 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 so uh, i go and check it out and i'm just completely blown away by it i give it to my wife um who loves um world war ii type stories she loves that kind of stuff not a comic book person at all. She was brought to tears by it. She threw it at me like, why did you give me this book? I can't believe I cried. Oh, I can't believe I <laughs> cried at a, uh, a comic book. And uh, it, it's a really, really beautiful story. But it's the reason why now I'm just all back into comic books again. So when I saw it on Roger's list, I asked if we, I could be part of the discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um- it, it's amazing. I mean, I think, you know, the, well, everybody should know this is this is kind of an anthropomorphic tale that where um, all of the um, the races uh, of people are um, 
characterized as animals. Mm -hmm. So the Jews are mice, the Nazis are cats, um, Polish are pigs. The the one French person that showed up because I was curious. I could I was kind of looking. It was a frog. It was a frog, yeah. which is um, like a derogatory term for a French was, person. Yeah, yeah. Um, Americans, are, Americans dogs. are dogs. Dogs, yeah. Um, but it's you know it's it's as much a story about this son and his father mm -hmm. um, as it is uh, about the Holocaust, and I think that. Um, Spiegelman was uh, incredibly creative in how he told this story. Um, not only just in the use of uh, you know the the animals for people, but um, in changing it up, like he would have when because uh, his father uh, Vladik Vladik yeah uh, would kind of impersonate the poles. Mm -hmm. um in his cuz he he could speak german he was actually multilingual um but he would kind of impersonate poles in some of his dealings so as not to be called out as as a jew and in those instances um it would be his character wearing a pig mask mm -hmm. yeah uh which was fascinating and then there was a point at the end of the book where or closer to the end where he actually pulls it into what would be like real life. It was him sitting at his art desk wearing a mouse mask. Mm -hmm. um, there's some incredibly, incredibly creative things that he does uh, in the art of his storytelling that I think makes the book um, even more compelling. Somebody? In all honesty... Um, I didn't read through this. The I, I'd read through this a long time ago, and when I saw it on the list, um, I was like, <sighs> not that I didn't enjoy it, but it's it's about the Holocaust, and that's yeah. You know, I made a joke about it being a, a lighthearted romp, you know, sarcastically because it's the exact opposite of that. And I I took home a copy of this just to thumb through it and kind of like refresh my memory a little bit. And even that, it's just there's some spots that are just haunting. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thinking about <clears throat> what happened to some of these people. Yeah. You yeah. know, and getting this son getting a firsthand account from his dad. And we talked about this a little bit earlier where you said like, yeah, his dad was just so nonchalant about in the story how he approached telling his son about everything. He's like, yeah, this is what happened. You know, I'll yeah. tell you. And it, it, at parts, you're just kind of like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, with just how nonplussed he is about explaining, like, yeah, you know, some of them escaped through the smokestacks. And you're just like, oh, he's talking about being burned alive. Okay. And you just really get a sense of just how gut-wrenching mm -hmm. the whole experience had to be. I mean, and, and that's not even doing it justice. No, I think, you know. I, I this could be a five hour podcast it if could. we if we gave the book its due right yeah because there was uh, I think I mentioned to you Jonathan I really I needed I needed flags to to kind of annotate every page that really made me stop and you know like oh my god I can't you know there were so many things that he did in the storytelling so many um, so many events in the you know in the story that just 
it, it's amazing how much the father went through, like how many things he had to survive. Like the yeah. word survivor barely even describes this man. I mean, yeah. he came mm-hmm. close, so close to death so many times. No, and there, you know, certainly there's there was a lot of luck involved in it, but there's mm-hmm. also a lot of resourcefulness. Yeah, uh, by him, um, part of and when you get this sense, you know, from the conversations between Art and and his father, his father's not the nicest guy right. well, and especially with his um his his second wife yeah. uh mala. mala oh my god i was like dude let up yeah. <laughs> holy cow and you know that's and, one of the big themes of the story though is how art really doesn't like his dad right yeah. but learning through this he comes to understand why his dad is the way he is right yeah and he you sees have go ahead he just he sees like the little things his dad does like how his dad like always is trying to save money or his dad like at one point he finds like wire on the ground and he's like no we could just use this wire and it's strong and it's like right. you see through the story like this is right stuff he picks up the do. telephone wire yeah. and, well and that was one of the harshest things in here for me was because you get the the sense through the entire book his dad's a hoarder yeah and which is understandable coming out of the holocaust and, and his dad's kind of view was like everything has a use mm-hmm. every you know it can be it can be used twice it can, you know food like reusing tea bags mm-hmm. yeah. okay um but other stuff paper you know in in the in the prisons the paper was really hard to come by so if he if he got a piece of paper or needed a you know, he would find a way if he if, if well if there was paper, he was going to get it because yeah. that was, you know, ena- enabling him to get a note out to his wife Anja in a, a you know in another camp. Um, but um, it was this is something I was going to say about the uh, it was hoarding. Oh, the harshest thing for me, you know, here you have this hoarder level mentality, you know, keeping everything and everything has a use, but then it comes down to where his mother who also survived the Holocaust, um, had kept these journals and then rewrote all these journals because they were destroyed during the Holocaust. But she went back and she rewrote everything to the best of her memory. Art's mother, right? Art's mother. Yes. Who also Uh, went through the Holocaust. Vladek's first wife. Right, Vladek's first wife. Anja. And, yeah, and... This is Oh, my God. Um, Okay, understand, too, that... And spoilers, not spoilers. That you're you're going to find out quick because you're going to read this story. Um, uh, Art Spiegelman's mother committed suicide mm-hmm. sometime after the Holocaust. I mean, he was. I think Art was probably in his twenties. Yeah. When when his his mom killed herself, so she had survived all of that. I would. I mean, there's a whole other story over there, but that, that yeah. can't be told. Um, but she went through all of this, mm-hmm. uh, and then, uh, you know, some years later, decided to take her own life. But she had recreated all of these journals, and uh, Art was pressing his dad for him. He's like, "I want. I, let's go through the garage. You've got plenty of stuff in there." And his father kept like pushing him off, like, "No, that's not going to be in there." And finally, his father broke and admitted to have burning all of these journals of his mother and and art lost it on his dad he you know he was like are you effing kidding me you know you save all of this trash in something that is actually worth something that has actual significance and i was just i was i was destroyed by that scene you know 
Um, but it was it was also the way it was, you know. I mean, it just yeah. Um, this this is this is an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. That man, and and I absolutely loved it. I think I mean it, it's probably now my favorite graphic novel of all time, and it's not. Um, it's very different from every other graphic it's novel very different. that we've ever reviewed. But a lot of that, a lot of that goes to the ingenuity that Spiegelman employed in telling this very, very hard story. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, the, um, I don't know, the the way he wrote it, the way he chose mm-hmm. to depict it by writing himself into it. Yeah, I think if it had just been a straight story about his dad's journey through the Holocaust, it wouldn't have had the emotional impact. But when it's him as the son struggling with how he feels towards his dad, how he's often embarrassed by his dad, but then coming to terms and learning why his dad is the way he is, and then also looking at how can he ever live up to this. I mean, his dad survived the Holocaust. There's a great scene. Yeah, like yeah. how how that that scene that starts off the second volume where he's talking to the shrink, the, who's right. also yeah. a Holocaust survivor. Right. I mean, that's the crux of the whole book, right there. Is like, how do I yeah. live up to this? Yeah. How do I do this? And it's just it's an incredible story of a son who who is also doing this, uh, learning to be a father himself, and it's it's a really really incredible story. I love. He did such a good job of capturing the father's voice. Um, I was reading oh, a little yeah. bit about some of the additions of this that are put forward. I, he recorded all of his conversations with his dad. Right. And there are some versions of this that were put out like in the 90s where those recordings are included as part of this. There's like a, a CD of the recordings of his dad actually telling these wow. stories, which wow. would be amazing. Ew. Wow. That, yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. Um, you know, the other, you know, well, another fascinating thing that I found in here was at the end when, um, Art and, and his wife, Francois and, um, and Vladek were in the car. Okay. And she stops to pick up a hitchhiker Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's a black guy and, uh, they had some groceries in the back seat. That and that whole scene with the father, it was the, hard to the read father, that scene. The right. father returning the groceries, mm-hmm. the, the, the half eaten boxes of cereal and all this stuff to the grocery store because he wasn't going to need them anymore. That was kind of funny. And then you get into because uh, Art and Francois were sitting in the car going, like, I can't, I can't believe he's doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you go to this scene where, um, Francois stops to pick up a hitchhiker and it's a it's a black guy and um the father like you know after they drop him off because the guy was super nice and this was would have been back in the the 70s yeah yeah when and then that was common we I, it, well I don't think it's a southern thing we hitchhiked all the time um but the father was reading her the riot act for picking this guy up and like you know i couldn't see the groceries he was probably stealing stuff yeah and it was and you know and they were like to the father like after all you've been through you know aren't you aren't you as bad to this guy as the nazis were to the jews stereotyping an entire 
race. And so it's like, you know, it was fascinating because this guy who had been through that, you know, um, still had those same human flaws, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that um, that he couldn't help himself from, you know, uh, and and that was that was tough. It, it yeah. just goes to show that there are a lot of things that you can learn through something like that, but there are other things that I don't think you can. That it's just you know maybe human nature. Yeah, there were times in the whole part where it's Art and his dad, where you wanted to be kind of mad at Art for being so hard on his dad, but then you were a little bit upset with his dad too for the stuff he did, and it would mm-hmm. go back and forth. And like you said, human flaws. And that's yeah, and it's like, and can you can you really get angry with a Holocaust survivor? Right. You know, that's I mean, so can hard. you? You know, you. It's like, should I really be reading them the riot act? Yeah. Like how you the know? manager at the store was mad at his dad, and then his dad dropped that he was a Holocaust survivor. Right. So they get all yeah. Cuddled. Yeah, we were talking about my time in the camp. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. But that's the thing. but the thing is, is though, is that is that that doesn't, you know, something it, it's. It's understanding that something like that that would scar you for life, that it's it's extremely hard, but it still doesn't give you a pass. It doesn't give you a free pass to do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, if anything, it makes maybe your behaviors more understandable, but not necessarily right. You know, Um, I man, I love this book. Nathan, you were uh, you were kind of mentioning you had one nitpick. It ends very abruptly, um, yeah. and this is a story that he serialized over like fifteen years or yeah, something really? like that. It was that. It long? took a long time for him to get this story out, I and mean, he actually. I, I mean, I can't imagine him wanting to just like breeze through it. So that's right. Yeah, it took him a long time to deal with these things, but it was something that he published in. A, there was like an underground comics magazine that he and his wife published that he serialized this through. But I, I was interesting. It, it, they have it split into two volumes, but it was never intended mm-hmm. to be two volumes. But in, I think it was like 86 or 83, um, there was a movie coming out, American Tale. I don't know if you guys know yeah. the one about oh, yeah. Fievel, the little mouse. Mm-hmm. And That's Spiegelman could was swearing up and down that Spielberg stole this idea of this Jewish character that was a mouse. And so he took what he had finished at that point and gave it to a publisher and said, please get this out here before the movie comes out. So that's why it's split into two volumes, even oh, though it's never really intended oh, okay. to be. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it, it took why. him a long, like, because I think the second volume didn't, wasn't completed until like 91. Yeah. yeah so that was like yeah. another five years for that second volume to be completed. That's a brutal wait. Yeah. Yeah. And it won, it won the Pulitzer Prize yeah. in 92. Yeah, there's even a um, whole bit in I the love second those volume. Movies, by the yeah. way, <laughs> <laughs> just a little more lighthearted. Yeah, wrong. a lot more lighthearted. Yeah. Especially five goes more. west. Oh, I love anyway. five goes west. But yeah, there's like a whole bit in the second volume where it's just him like wearing the mouse mask, with mm-hmm. him now trying to write it and being like all stressed because he's already put out the first volume and now everyone's expecting the second half. And right. That yeah. that I might even be the first page of that second volume where it's his writing desk. Is on top of the corpses the of all these dead yeah. mice, yeah. and it's how he's struggling with the fact that he's building this story off the backs of all these people who had no choice but to give their lives, and it's it's really intense, but if so nothing so else good. That shows that you know he didn't take this lightly, right? Yeah, you know he really struggled with with this 
you know experience and that his father had yeah yeah that's actually the beginning of chapter two in volume two okay, that whole yeah. page yeah, yeah. So, well was, and he, re- he really struggled with he because he wanted to he wanted to do uh just by that story mm-hmm. you know by his father by everyone who went through this um and i think he did i think he nailed it yeah johnny yeah what were you gonna say johnny uh this was one of the first comics i've ever read what what a way to start reading comics <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> um no i i love it um you know, as much as you can love a Holocaust book. Um, I I think that he wrote the characters as mice to maybe not seem so um, vivid or trigger any any people that survive through this type of stuff because, I mean, he's trying to separate uh, the readers from what, you know, happened. If this was, uh, I think Nathan and I were talking about, if this was hyper-realistic, it may not work as well. Well, there's also, I think, uh, another maybe metaphorical use of it that as the way germans viewed yeah. them mm-hmm. as like as vermin yeah um yeah I, I think it's i think it's an important book it is and it, it you know there's a lot of holo- a lot of holocaust stories out there but i think it's something that's good to remember just the yeah. depths that humanity is capable of when unchecked and yeah, it's it's a scary thing. I I agree a hundred percent. I think it's I think it's a great reminder. There was one scene early on. I don't know if you remember it, but it was where the Germans had rounded up a bunch of them, and like the kids were screaming and crying, so they just picked them up and bashed their heads against the wall. That was one I mentioned that I, to Jonathan today. That was one of the ones that what? that I would have you know I would have put a, a flag by because. You get to that scene and you're like, because it was like, so they, you know, they they beat them against the wall until they stopped crying. Right. And it's like, oh my God. How is that? Yeah. How is that even possible? How could you just be a soldier following orders at that point? Right. Yeah. 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 You weren't told to do that. That was what you decided to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something we didn't even touch on either is that Art had a younger brother that he never met. For sure. Who didn't make it through the holocaust and that that was a brutal scene in itself the, the choices the parents had to make whether to hold on to him right whether to let him go and had they let him go earlier he would have survived but they didn't want to let him but go. they waited a year and then let him go to stay with some others he didn't make it and then the fact that he was purposefully poisoned by his caretaker that to was... avoid going into the hands of the germans wait and... art did or vladik uh his little brother rishu who didn't make it through the older brother or, well, well, yeah, yeah. He was little at the time, but yeah, it would Vladek's have been his older brother. Vladik's first son. Their okay. first yeah. son. Vladik's first son. Okay, yeah. sorry. When you said art, I was like, whoa, there's some time travel that just no. happened. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I just want to make sure I had that straight too. Yeah. yeah. Vladik and on just yeah, and and that kind of comes back quite a few times. But that that yeah. was that was hard because you had the um, the necklace. The the yeah the I don't, I don't know what you'd call her. What how was she related to them? She, oh, was it an aunt or? Yeah, it was. It was a was relative some, of some, some sort yeah. of cousin or yeah. something. Yeah, uh, but she had a pendant around her necklace with several doses of poison that yeah, she kept just, all the time. Because she was like, "We're not going to go. We're not going to go to the gas chambers." And so when they started raiding up the rest of that town, and I, you know, it's, it's horrifying. But with the brother, you have you have. Um, I forgot about a, a really That's, important scene yeah. at the end too. I think for Art. 
where because um, his parents' house in his parents' bedroom, I think, right. there was um, a picture of his little uh, his big brother uh, that was blown up from from a smaller, but so it was blurry, uh, hanging on his parents' wall, and he was like, "How do you have sibling rivalry with a dead?" With a dead brother, yeah, and how could he ever live up how, to that right. idealized version right. of that little to brother? To that, right? Um, how do you, how do you compete with a, yeah. a photograph? Art was like brutally honest, just with his own yeah. struggles through a lot of this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, brutally honest. Yeah, I mean that that that's probably the best adjective to describe this entire work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it reminded me of um, was it. Uh, the Dark Knight, the true, true detective, with Paul, or, Paul uh, Dini, true, yeah. We were talking about detective. that and how how honest he was in his storytelling. This is, I mean, this is equally, if if not more, uh, brutally honest. Um, and some of it's some, a lot of it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. But it's but it's worth reading. Absolutely. I I didn't want to reread this, um, but just hearing you guys talk about it is really bumming me out. <laughs> Look, uh, that's why I said, you know, coming into this, I didn't really go through because I remember the first time I read this, somebody, you know, at hand me and said, oh, you like comic books, you'll like this. And I was just like, oh, OK. And like, I, I get into it and I'm like, oh, my God, like I was not expecting this. This is what makes you think this is what I wanted, like kind of thing. But, you know, and, and that was only a couple chapters in. But it once you it gets a hold of you, man, you get through it and you're just you're emotionally exhausted. But. You're, I think you're better for it at the end of at the Absolutely. end. Absolutely, I was telling, yes. telling Johnny earlier. It, it's harsh, but it's not entirely devoid of hope. It, yeah, it, yeah. It portrays a realistic event, but it is, it is hopeful. It's an amazing story of how through all that, how this man is reunited with his wife and the struggles that he went through to keep her alive in another camp. I mean, it. it, it there is some hope in the story. <laughs> well, and that's so funny too because. You know, right at the beginning of the story, um, you have this, you know, this this series where um, he was dating another girl, yeah, who was better looking, but her, but they were poor, and her father barely had enough for a dowry, and then he got word of this Anja, you know, and who had had a wealthy father, and he was like, you know, he was kind of like, well, she's not much to look at. You know, <laughs> and he's like, but we can make this work. And then he ends up marrying her. The 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 father in law, you know, basically gives him a factory yeah. to run to make him wealthy. And I'm like, oh my god, those are like the impurest motives I've ever seen. I mean, it paints him out to be, <laughs> yeah, this kind of a dick. Yeah, he's, yeah, you don't he's, get the idea that he's a good guy. That's no. for sure. Yeah, it's like holy cow. And and there's this whole scene. And with Anja getting the letter from yep. from the first girl who, who kind of said he was, you know, <laughs> using her. And I, there, there's, a, I mean, that's a great scene at the beginning. It's setting up their personalities. But you know what? They they stuck by each other after losing everything. You know, um, they stuck by each other and and looked out for each other and reunited with each other after it all. So there there was definitely. A lot more there in the end than you would have expected at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna really go horse talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> so, what would you rate it, Roger? Five. 
Six. <laughs> no, five stars easily. Yeah, however many stars there are. All yeah. of them. All, the, all stars. the stars. All the stars. All the stars. Yeah. So, and I'm sure Johnny. Oh, dude, it's a five. That last line is heartbreaking. Oh, it is so hard. Yeah. Um, it's a five for me also. At, once again, like, not an easy read, no. but a worthwhile read. It is. Um, a, mm-hmm. a rewarding read, ultimately, at the end. I think um, necessary. Yeah, I would say like, so, too. I would, I, I would put this in schools because it's important. There are actual college classes. Yeah. So uh, I have a little side story on that one. Uh, one of my good friends is the principal of one of the local high schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time I was reading this, I was telling him about this. I was telling him about the book because he's a big history buff. And he goes, that's really fascinating that you're bringing this up to me because last week I had my AP English class come to me and ask if I would purchase a classroom set of these books. And I told him no, because I'm not going to buy a comic book. I told him about it, and he's all, I'm going to change my mind and go back and get it. So now they're the AP English class at one of the high schools is is doing it. Yeah. Um, One of the things that Blake had sent in earlier that I wanted to kind of go back to, because it wasn't a question, it was just more of a recommendation. Um, If you enjoyed Mouse, and I don't know if you can really say you enjoyed, (laughs) uh, but uh, then you should definitely check out something called Black Sad. Uh, It's a graphic novel noir series set in an anthropomorphic world mirroring the 60s in America that follows a private eye. Uh, he says, this series is amazing, if not for the art alone. I've had I've had this book in stock before. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that'd be something we should review. Yeah. There's, a, there's I think, two volumes that have come out for that. Yeah. Black Side. Um, uh, a Cat, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the so, principal character. I got to make a note. Yeah. All yeah. Right. And you know what? If, if, uh, if you need it while reading this book... I would recommend uh, <laughs> Angels Envy Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Uh, Nathan was kind enough to bring us in uh, some very of this tonight. Good. It's it's uh, how'd you describe it? It's it's bourbon. It's finished uh, in port wine barrels. Finished in port wine barrels. Um, man, that was tasty. And Thank you, was. sir. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to uh, finish the show up on a lighter note with some trivia time. So, Roger. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, first, let's get last week's out of the way. Um, last week, we, we reviewed some books. <laughs> <laughs> As we usually do. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the winner of the comics, Bryce Smith. Bryce. Congratulations, Woo. bud. Raking them in, dude. Um, uh, Spider-Man, Strangers in Paradise, Damage, those are the comics. Yeah, I've got them right here. Okay. <laughs> I was kind of half-hearted being funny right. because, I, <laughs> because I didn't have them in front of me yet. Okay. Um, and, Bryce, I think you probably got your last batch today. Um, so you got another batch So you got another batch coming. I'll try and take less than three weeks to get it to you. <laughs> um, and then uh, the graphic novel from last week, Last Days of American Crime, goes to... Mr. David Revis again. Nice. Guys, step it up. Give these guys some competition. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that was, I guess, the, the question last week was what? Um, what uh, Eisner, for what comic? Right. What what Eisner did Terry Moore win uh, in 1996? Right. Uh, what series is that for? And that was Strangers in Paradise. Strangers in Paradise. Easy. Okay. So, trivia for this week, guys. Um... Who created Hal Jordan? 
Jonathan. <laughs> I normally Wait. would know this. I don't right now. Marv Wolfman. <laughs> Marv. No, he's a Silver Age character. I don't think Marv was okay. Silver Age. I'm not mis- I think Marv was gold or uh, not Golden Age. Uh, Bronze Age. It's not Marvel. Marv. Dang it. It's Marv good. Wolfman. Marv Wolfman. No. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I googled it. How came from Silver Age? John Broom. Okay, John and, Broom. And Gil Kane. Gil Kane. Ah, oh. oh, see, I knew I... <laughs> what issue did uh, did Hal Jordan first appear in? Uh, it's like a... I want to say... Green Lantern 22? number one. 22? 22? Issue number 22 yeah, of, really? of... Of? It wasn't Green Lantern. Uh, it was like the... <laughs> Like the spectacle or showcase or something with showcase. 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 Yep. Yeah, yeah. showcase for a guy that doesn't like cosmic, well, Nathan. I'll be honest, I was reading a little Wikipedia of uh, Hal Jordan, <laughs> Green Lantern awesome. stuff. Yeah, um, what's what's Hal's real name? Harold, you knew that? Yeah, man, I was like, who knows that? That's cool. <laughs> All right, in the 1999 miniseries Day of Judgment, Hal Jordan became what other DC entity? Parallax. I knew you would say that. No. Dang. What was? Okay, Ooh, the re- Spectre. Yeah. I, I was going to say reread that question to make yeah. sure that that's what I was thinking of. But yes, the Spectre. Yeah, the I got Spectre. it right. Yep. Yay me. Okay. And uh, for this week's listener question, I'm going to defer to uh, Mr. Armantrout. All right. So it's a mouse question. Well, sort of mouse. The the author, Art Spiegelman, used to work for the Topps Trading Card Company. And he co-created a very famous trading card series. What was that series? What series did Art Spiegelman help create? Yes. What trading card series? Trading card series. Okay. Uh, If you know the answer to this question or care to Google it uh, and want to win, look, everybody, everybody that listens to this this week needs to send in a response. I don't give you're listening right now. Pause it. Go Google it and send your answer. You you should definitely want to win this book and read it. Absolutely. Um, but okay. So after after you uh, okay, press play. Okay, <laughs> come back <laughs> and send your response to contact at allstarcomicspodcast.com. What uh, trading card series did Art Spiegelman? create for the top the tops trading card company yes and regardless of whether you win the book go read it yeah yes, yes. please um, i've already ordered more so excellent guys if uh let us know give us some feedback on the, this new format we're going to try to be a little consistent on this let us know uh, either hit me up on social media um or you know email the uh the the show's email account mm-hmm. and, and let us know what you think because uh, we you know we definitely want to deliver the best product that we can to you guys and after talking this is what I came up with in terms mm-hmm. of format and so if there and plus if, the, if you got suggestions let me know I'll probably think most of them are crap but at least let me know <laughs> um, I love you guys I'm just kidding um, but uh, also if you like what you're hearing leave us a review Johnny did yes <laughs> Johnny left a review uh, on our own show we're not reading it. This podcast is tight as AF. Stop it. No. Tight as action figures. Yep. Um, <laughs> for all the younger kids listening. Yes, definitely. Uh, but please like, share, rate, review, subscribe, all that 
Um, if you want to go above and beyond, go to patreon.com slash allstarcomicspodcast. Get on as little as a dollar. Three dollars gets you the exclusive content. Uh, if you want to keep up with everything that's going on with the shop, the new releases, restocked items, follow at Horizon Comics on the Instagram and the Twitters. And like at, or not at, but like Horizon Comics on Facebook. You can keep up with everything, Johnny. You can follow me everywhere at the Johnny Two X Four. I am, uh, or before I forget, because I always do. Every time. Every time, Kayla. I am at Kayla Danvers on Instagram and Twitter. And then Nate uh, at Armin Trout Pipes on Instagram. That's right. You can see some of his very fine work, actually. Really dope <clears throat> pipes. Yeah. So um, I am at St. Jonathan on the Twitter and the Instagram. I want to give a shout out to Tom in Canada because we've had some great conversations about comics because it all started because of Dusty's great rant. <laughs> I mean, we had talked a couple of times before that, but yeah, we had, we had gone back and forth over that. So shout out to Tom. Thanks for listening, buddy. I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Remember, send us some feedback. Uh, you know, we want to be the best show that we can for you guys because we appreciate the fact that you listen with us every you know, week, week in and week out. So have a great week. Can't wait to hear from you guys. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Multiversity University. I'm your host, Larry Douglas. Now, last time we left off with Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and the fact that they are now becoming successful uh, writer and artist, respectively, uh, for National Periodical Publications, a company we would come to know as DC Comics. Um, but they still have this character that they've been developing for several years called Superman uh, that nobody has shown any interest in, including the company that they currently are, are writing for. Uh, but in 1938, uh, National Periodical Publications wanted to add a comic to their lineup. They had three comics that they were publishing at that time. There was More Fun, which is what New Fun had become. Uh, they also had Detective Comics, uh, which they had begun publishing in 1937, and also Adventure Comics. And they wanted to add this new title called Action Comics, and they were looking for new characters that they could feature in this comic. So Harry Donenfeld and Jack Leibowitz, who were now running things, decided that uh, they would go ahead and, and let Siegel and Schuster give this Superman character a try and just see how it worked out. Um, they weren't sure how successful it would be, but they needed some pages, so why not give it a shot? So they asked Siegel and Schuster to write a 13-page Superman story, for which they would be paid $10 a page. Um, and so for the sum of $130, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but I'm sure it was a lot more in 1938, Siegel and Schuster not only agreed to write a 13-page Superman story for Action Comics number 1, but they also basically sold the rights to Superman to National Periodical Publications. Well, Action Comics number one, featuring Superman, uh, turned out to be a big success. It sold 800,000 copies, uh, and uh, so National Periodical, DC, if you want to refer to them as that, knew that it had a hit on its hands. However, they didn't realize that Superman was what was responsible for the success. Uh, marketing research wasn't as instantaneous as it is today, and so it took them a while to realize that Superman was what was causing Action Comics to sell. You can tell that by the fact that Superman did not appear on the cover 
after Action Comics number one until Action Comics number seven. Uh, however, by that time, DC had come to realize that Superman was the big selling point for Action Comics, and of course, he's been featured in that title ever since. Now, um, the cover of Action Comics number one is kind of interesting. Many people have seen it. It's very famous. Uh, you see Superman holding a car over his head. Looks like he's about to smash it and people running away. We don't think too much about it now because we know so much about the character, but the way it was drawn, it was meant to make it look like this Superman character was actually a villain, um, more like uh, an alien invader rather than an alien hero. Uh, and you had to actually read the story to find out that the car that he was smashing belonged to criminals and the people running away were the criminals that he was pursuing. And then to find out that this person was actually the hero of the story rather than the villain. Now, a lot of people also know that Superman was very different in the beginning. His powers were much more limited. He couldn't fly. He could only jump an eighth of a mile at a time. Um, he, he was very strong, strong enough to lift a car over his head, but not the kind of uh, moon-moving super strength that we see that Superman has later. Didn't have any of his vision powers. Uh, he was really fast. He could outrun a train, but not the super speed fast that we see today. And also, he wasn't invulnerable like he is now. Bullets couldn't hurt him, that's true. But it did say specifically that an exploding shell could actually injure him and something bigger than that might actually be able to kill him. So he was resistant to harm, but not nearly as invulnerable as we see now. Um, his personality was a lot different too. Superman could be kind of a jerk. When he caught the people that he was pursuing, um, oftentimes he toyed with them a little bit. He would pick them up, spin them around his head, make him real dizzy, do things like that. Um, didn't have the code against killing that he does today. We see him doing things like actually picking people up and throwing them a quarter of a mile away. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, they never really showed that the person was killed, but I'm sure that flying a quarter of a mile and landing head first didn't do a whole lot for the human body. Um, Superman was sometimes depicted jumping up and actually crashing into airplanes, causing them to explode, which I'm sure didn't do a lot for the pilot either. Um, so in a lot of ways, he was very different. He was also very anti-establishment. Uh, he was in the beginning uh, looked upon by the authorities as uh, being someone they had to be careful of. Um, in the very first story, he's actually shown breaking into the governor's mansion to stop an execution of an innocent person that's about to take place. Um, now, all the things that we think about uh, as soup being associated with Superman today get developed later. Um, his flying power, for example. What you see is if you continue to read Superman's stories through the Golden Age, his jumps keep getting longer and longer until eventually he's just basically flying. They never really acknowledge that he didn't fly before. He just ends up jumping long enough that he really is essentially flying. Um, his super hearing develops when they have a story where it was kind of convenient for him to be able to hear things that other people couldn't hear. 
here, and the same way with a lot of the other powers that were developed. Even his origin changed a lot. In the original story, he got simply a one-page origin. Um, there was no discussion of Krepton, Jor-El, Lara, anything like that. It just in one panel says that a planet was dying of old age, and uh, who knows what that means. And so a scientist from that planet sent his infant son out into space on a rocket. And he ends up landing on Earth. He has the he goes to an orphanage, ends up developing these powers, which it's explained that all the people from this planet developed these powers and they became adults. And then he goes on to become Superman. Um, he will get a more of an origin story uh, a year later in Superman number one, but it still isn't the the fully developed one we see today. Um, and that kind of shows that in the Golden Age, they really didn't care much about origin stories. They just wanted to jump right into the adventures of the character and their origins weren't really all that important. But uh, of course, Superman uh, ends up being extremely popular within a year. Uh, Action Comics is selling a million copies um, each month, and that's basically because of Superman. And, of course, Superman is where everything begins. Uh, this is where we get our first comic book superhero, and whatever, if you like reading superhero comics, whatever superheroes you like, even if Superman is not your favorite, just acknowledge the fact that no matter who it is, they owe their existence to Superman because Superman and Action Comics number one is where it all really begins. Thank you for joining us and join us next time as we take a little bit of a break from the Golden Age to talk about a company that maybe is not so popular today but was extremely popular at one time.